0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the FO News Show. My name is Cale Clinton. With me, as always, is Jackson Roberts. Talking the latest in the last week of NFL news, Jackson, we're basically past the quarter way mark. I don't know how to feel about it. I'm not pumped. The football
1: season is so beautiful, and yet it goes by so fast. It's great to have these weekly checkpoints to catch up with your football pals, to talk about the latest in the news. But ultimately, we know that it's a steady march toward the end, so we have to savor every week while we can. And that's what we're here to do today, talk about all the latest news. Let's get right into it.
0: It burns short, and it burns bright, and it burns beautifully. Now, before we get into today, as always, we've got to talk about our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Even with NFL best ball season over, Underdog has other user-friendly game formats to spice up all the games. Try their Battle Royale, a six-round best ball-style draft with simpler chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. Or you could try their Pick'em Games, where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app from your app store today. And remember, that's promo code OUTSIDERS. Now to double your first deposit up to $100. Now, now you know who's not going over his stat line this week? That's not Mitchell Trubisky. He is not. He is not. We'll get into the big quarterback switch up in Pittsburgh. But first, let's talk about a story that has dominated most of the news cycle this week. Uh, it's been about a full week of it since the uh, since it happened on Thursday, but that's to a tongue of I Love. Thursday feels a long time ago, but let's just cover the entire thing. So Sogvaloa, after his week three injury against the Buffalo Bills, was diagnosed with ankle and back injuries despite being evaluated for concussion protocol. Uh, Thursday night, he was kind of whipped down on a sack, smacked his head, showed a fencing response where his arms and hands sort of froze up. He was carted off the field, taken to a local Cincinnati hospital. Uh, The NFLPA, who had launched an independent investigation uh, on week three uh, has fired an independent neurologist who had apparently made multiple mistakes uh, in the diagnosis of Tunga concussion. concussion. Uh, Tua has been ruled out in week five. There is no timetable for his return. Flew home with the team. Uh, Mike McDaniel spoke about how he sat uh, with Tua on the plane. Uh, they had talked about the injury. They had talked about some of the game. Uh, They had then watched a movie together and enjoyed that. Uh, There's been no response since. The only thing we've heard from Tonga Bailoa himself, uh, technically, is a statement released on his Twitter. Uh, We have not seen him. Uh, He has not spoken at a press conference yet. Uh, Dr. Bennett Amalu, the doctor from uh, concussion, the doctor who had uh, put together a lot of the uh, concussion and brain trauma-connected, Uh, medical reports who had spoken out at the Supreme Court had spoken to TMZ uh, essentially pleading Tonga Vailoa to retire uh, saying that $20 billion is not worth the long-term permanent brain damage suffered Uh, basically just hang up your helmet and walk away in addition a second doctor uh, Dr. Chris Nowitzki who had confirmed uh, who he's famous for confirming and uh, giving credence to the original reports done by Dr. Amalu uh, said before Thursday night's game, if Tua takes the field tonight, it's a massive step back for concussion care in the NFL. If He has a second concussion that destroys his season or career. Everyone involved will be sued and should lose their jobs. Coaches included. We all saw it. Even they must know this isn't right. Uh, this was released before the Thursday night game. Uh, Pretty much uh, not to say immediately vindicated. Uh, Nowitzki said, I take no pleasure in being right. Pray for Tua. We saw this coming. Get angry. Get involved. Make sure the NFL can't do this again. Uh, The NFLPA says it specifically wants to modify the concussion protocol within days if possible. Specifically, centering changes around the phrase gross motor instability. Jackson, it's a really, really tough scene right now with Tonga Bailoa, uh, a start to a season that would have been a potential major turnaround in the young quarterback's career. Uh, do you have any thoughts, not only on Tonga Bailoa, but just sort of how this situation was handled as a whole?
1: I think that when the doctors who – are most known for all of the concussion theory. I mean, Ben and Amalu literally discovered CTE uh, in a lab when looking at Mike Webster, the former Pittsburgh Steelers linebackers brain uh, under a microscope, just they knew immediately that repeated concussions are the real issue here. You know, concussions are never good under any circumstance, but anytime you have repeated head trauma, that's when you start, Risking life and limb, and especially repeated trauma within a, a really short time frame, you know. So, I not even to say that like it would have been okay if he had played on Sunday. The fact that he played on Thursday, you know, the the time frame there between those two games is so short. I think is just such a clear and obvious, you know. It's it's a it's a complete freakish for the NFL. It's it's something that absolutely can't happen, especially after all we know now that we didn't know 15 years ago about the damage repeated concussions can do. Um, And I don't really like the scary thing for me is I don't really know what kind of change is coming here. You know, Cameron Brait was allowed to return to the game for the Bucs on Sunday after he suffered what appeared to be a pretty obvious concussion. Um, The NFLPA, yes, they fired the independent neurologist, but they were just kind of exercising their, uh, you know, contractual right to do so. There's not really any evidence so far that um, either heads are going to roll in Miami or that permanent change is going to come uh, to the concussion protocol that makes a lasting impact. So I don't know what the ideal solution is here. I mean, Nowinski says everyone should be fired like, sure, but does that actually change the attitudes of the people who then come in and, and run the team in the future? Uh it's, it's really like it, it puts kind of a black mark on enjoying this game when we know that player safety just isn't taken as seriously as it should be.
0: Yeah, it's the really scary thing for me is that I don't know a solution. Uh, it's, you know, we could sit here and speculate all day about what sort of steps can be taken to keep these players uh, off the field when they're exhibiting such injuries if the threshold for, uh, being ruled out is lowered and being kept out is lowered. Uh, I guess that's a first step, but in reality, you know, Tongo Iloa in week three specifically advocated that he was wobbling because of a back injury. Uh, His medical diagnosis on Monday was a back injury. He was not entered into uh, concussion protocol at all. Uh, He said it was a back and ankle uh, injury. McDaniel said it was, you know, work in the trenches basically uh, you know, playing against a really vaunted Bills front seven, uh, I don't have an answer. Like, like it's it's the toughest part, uh, you know. I, I don't think our responsibility is to, you know, sit on this show and theorize, like, what can the NFL do better? But it's just really disheartening. Uh, it's, it's Well, you're right
1: about that. It's not our responsibility. But one thing I think we definitively can say is it has to be taken out of the hands of the specific player in question. Absolutely Absolutely. The nature of the competitor, the nature of someone like Tua is definitely going to say, I'm good to go. And that shouldn't be the determining factor whatsoever. You know, it's it's a case of winning games. Yes, we want to win games. We want people healthy and we can't trust people who are, you know, the fiercest competitors in the world. And that's why they... Have earned the right to make millions of dollars playing a sport for a living. We can't allow them to dictate whether or not their health is good enough to go because a hundred times out of hundred they're going to say it is.
0: Yeah, and we've already done a lot to protect quarterbacks from injury, and that is another bit of the scary part to me. It felt like the only way to you know tackle Tongavaloa in that situation was kind of like you know whipping him down in that motion because you can't tackle low, you can't tackle high. Uh, You can't push off the guy like, you know, we've created a box for defenders uh, with the proper way to hit, you know, quarterbacks. And the more you start to take away, the more you start to protect quarterbacks on physical play. Like like we've already done nearly everything we can to limit, you know, dirty hits on quarterbacks. The hit on Tua was clean it's just wasn't even a hit
1: right it's just like how do you prevent someone's head from bouncing
0: yeah that's just torque that's physics like it's it's tough to see and i hope there's some kind of solution or some kind of answer to this because and one last thing about that is that
1: there's no way the damage from that specific hit of his head to the turf would have put him into the response he had if he hadn't also suffered head trauma on Sunday, right? Like that's that's the thing about all of this is repeated head trauma is what causes lasting damage. And the fact that we all saw it play out on national TV, a play that happens kind of a lot in football and doesn't usually result in that kind of response is is very telling.
0: Well let's move on. Pittsburgh has a new quarterback Big decision for them. First rookie to make a start this season. Uh, I guess outside Bailey Zappi, who will also apparently be starting next week. But Kenny Pickett entered in the second half of Jet Steelers last week. And he's taken the Steelers starting job from Mitch Trubisky. Mike Tomlin said in a press conference on Tuesday, I don't want to dump the responsibility of what transpired at Mitch's feet. That's not fair to him. He's played better than that description, but we haven't. And so, in an effort to be better, in an effort to score more points, in an effort to move the ball more fluidly, we decided to go with Kenny in the hope that he would provide a spark for us, not only in teams of our ability to move the ball, but just in terms of energy. Now, Mitch's season is currently 26th in DYAR and 27th in DVOA among quarterbacks. Pickett technically hasn't missed a pass yet. 10 for 13. Three think he's thrown. It's all yeah. been caught. Everyone's been caught by someone. Uh, just maybe not all in the black and yellow. Um, and <laughs> to be fair, one of them was a last minute heave to the end zone that Lamarcus droigner roll. Uh, you know, caught pretty nicely on a safe on a uh, on a Hail Mary. I'm losing my words right now. Uh Is this the right time, Jackson? Because I do want to say, pick it, pick it as a big plate ahead of him for a uh, for an NFL debut. Take him on the Bills next week, and it doesn't get much better from there. Nope, I
1: wouldn't say so. So even you say, okay, let's let's wait till the week after because we play the Bills next week. Then you have the Bucks. Okay, let's wait till the week after that. Then we have the Dolphins okay, fine, we'll wait until the Halloween weekend. No, you have the Eagles. (laughs) So maybe the best opportunity you would have had is to wait until November 13th after the bye against the Saints. You could easily be 1-7 and at that point. You could still very easily be 1-7 and with Pickett in there. So I think what we're learning is there is no right time to make this move. The only right time would have been to make it earlier. So... He's got to get thrown in there. He's going to take his lumps. I think this is a thing that can, like, I'm okay with quarterbacks. You know, it it does depend on the person and whether or not they're able to sort of, you know, rebound from early struggles. But I think it can be effective. I mean, we've seen it um, not just in football before where a young quarterback can kind of take some losses early. I mean, this is a weird example, but I think Jared Goff went like 0-7 in his first season with the Rams and then ends up making the playoffs the next year and the Super Bowl the year after. So I'm okay with that um, as long as you have the guy who's not going to have, you know, his confidence shaken. And I think that's Pickett because we've clearly seen, you know, he'll throw an interception, go out there on the next drive and keep slinging it again.
0: Yeah, honestly – the opponents are tough. Let's be real. The opponents are very tough. But Tallinn's right. It's a big spark. Uh, and I think he's also just in a great situation. Immediately after Pickett comes in, Najee Harris has his longest run of the year because now teams don't have to basically monitor only the first 10 yards of the field and, you know, give big bo- or give, you know, loaded boxes, uh, take away short passes from Mitch because that's all he can really throw. Uh, One guy that's happy Jackson is George Pickens uh, who we spoke about said he's open about 95% of the time uh, had his first hundred yard game of his NFL career. And the biggest thing that's surprising to me per pro football reference, highest yards per target of the year as well. Uh, A 12.75 yards per target finished the day with six catches, eight receptions, 102 yards. So, you know, one game, one half, really, against a, uh, a, a you know, decent defense has some pieces, but, you know, not exactly in the top half of the league in DVOA. But I don't think Pickett's entering into too horrible a situation. He's getting thrown to the wolves in terms of opponent, but with the infrastructure around him, with the additions that uh, Pickett brings, I don't think it's too bad. We'll yeah, see and you have to frame it.
1: You have to frame it in terms of what are you trying to accomplish this year? Because the stat that always gets thrown around is that Tomlin hasn't finished a season below 500 as a head coach. If the goal for this season is just to go 500 better, I guess you have to go over 500 because the 17-game schedule now. That's that's not a goal worth, you know, kind of setting right now, I don't think, for Pickett. I think, yeah, it'd be nice if they start winning games. But the real thing that you want to see is for him to, you know, take command of this offense, and improve week by week. You can lose these games as long as, you know, Pickett's learning something. And, you know, side note, that that quote that you had from Tomlin is just the biggest possible indictment of Mitch Trubisky, even though he immediately says he doesn't want to dump the responsibility on Trubisky. He then says, you know, we're make, we're making this move in an effort to score more, to move the ball more, and to just have a more fluid offense, basically saying, Trubisky is preventing us from doing all these things. So, you know, at the end of the day, a guy like that just probably shouldn't be starting in the NFL under any circumstance. And whatever else you have in the building, it's time to start seeing
0: what you have in them. Now, moving on in more quarterback news Dak Prescott injured his thumb a few weeks ago, is close to returning, but not quite just yet. Heard it from Jerry Jones himself. I don't think you could ask for better news, technically, physically and how it's responding, how the thumb is healing, so to speak. So all those things are on go, and I don't know that as we bid by to each day, if considering the injury, considering the location of the injury, I don't know if you can make any more progress. There's some things here about healing that, again, I often say only the man upstairs knows how that works, but he'll have a big week and he'll be hard on himself getting it ready to go. Now, McCarthy says he wants Dak to go through a full week of practice before returning. Dak Prescott was seen throwing on the sideline uh, as early as yesterday. But Jackson, they're in no rush right now. No, no pun intended there. Cooper Rush 4-0, 3-0 no, oh on this season, currently 10th in DYAR, 3rd in DVOA. They're just getting Michael Gallup back into the fold. They're sitting sitting pretty right now.
1: They'll be sitting really pretty if they can find a way to win this Rams game on Sunday, I'll tell you. And suddenly we have maybe the best divisional rivalry in football in Dallas and Philadelphia out east. I mean, that's certainly not something that we would have expected, say, two years ago. But Cooper Rush is getting the job done. And I did want to add as an addendum to this that uh, just within the last hour or so, it was confirmed that uh, Dak Prescott is in the what Mike McCarthy calls the rehab group at uh, Cowboys practice today, which pretty much, I would say, confirms what we already suspected, that Cooper Rush is going to start against the Rams on Sunday. I guess we can start looking ahead to week six to see if maybe there's a chance Dak returns, but it's not like the offense has taken big steps back. And I think the real story with this Dallas team too is they're the only team that hasn't given up 20 points in a game yet so far this year. Their pass rush is ferocious. We all made fun of Trevon Diggs for leading the league in interceptions and not actually being very good in coverage last year. But this year, he's just good. So I, this team is a real threat, whether or not they have Dak in there and
0: really any anything that comes their way. Jackson, I don't want to scare you out of your chair too quick, but with Cooper Rush, Daniel Jones, and Carson Wentz as three of the four starting quarterbacks in this division, the NFC East cumulatively currently is the best record in the NFC, combined 11 and 5. Next is up is NFC West at 8 and 8. NFC Beast is back. Uh, whether it's being led by <laughs> Cooper Rush or Daniel Jones, it's not exactly what we predicted. Uh, they do cumulatively have uh, one of the easiest, I think they're the bottom four easiest schedules in football, but I don't know if we expected this. <laughs> No, I don't think we did. Um, Yeah,
1: I'm sure we could get into some strength of victory stats that would show us some some rather unflattering pictures of what that division's actually accomplished. But I think, you know, let's take Danny Dimes and Carson Wentz out of the picture for a second. Philly and Dallas are both legitimate contenders in the NFC right now. I think that those two matchups are going to be very exciting this year. Um, probably will end up determining the division. Maybe you give the slight edge to Philly because the rest of their schedule is much easier. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to that divisional rivalry this year. And I think that it's good for football when these cities with their history and their you know appetite for sports have actually good football teams as opposed to 500 teams competing for the worst division title in football.
0: This will only justify the national media's decision to continually throw NFC East games in prime time. And for that, I cannot stand for it. Moving on, heading out to San Francisco. We'll be back in Dallas a bit for more injury news soon, but got to touch on this first. Talked about last week how Trent Williams suffered a high ankle sprain is out for at least the next month. His replacement is now down Second week in a row of the San Francisco 49ers have lost a left tackle this week. Colton McKivitz to miss two months with an MCL sprain in his knee. God, tough break for Jimmy Garoppolo in a division with a lot of pretty prominent edge rushers. Jack's where we at on this one. They've now got to go to a uh, second year uh, left tackle, a 2021 fifth rounder and Jalen Moore. I am starting to get a little worrisome in San Francisco. These injuries are piling up. I would say so.
1: It's um, it's tough. I mean, Kyle Shanahan says that this, you know, sort of initial testing on the knee uh, confirms that he basically has the same injury as Elijah Mitchell and Aziz Al Alshair, um, so his teammates. So basically the Niners have an MCL sprain problem, and that's not to mention – Trent Williams' injury, and that's obviously not to mention Trey Lance's injury. Uh, and the Niners aren't even the slam dunk favorite for the most injured team in football because Baltimore is up to their old tricks and Detroit played a game without any offensive weapons last week. So it's like we've said, football injuries are kind of ruining the season so far. The Niners have proven themselves to be pretty resilient, but I did want to bring up that their rush offense has been significantly less efficient this year than it was last year last year they're fourth in rush dvoa this year they are 21st if i have that right uh so things are things are definitely not like they're not like they used to be 24th excuse me in rush dvoa a long way to go for this team to really cement its rushing attack as the primary focus of its offense again i just want to
0: add that i don't even think that the uh 49ers can declare themselves the most injured team at the tackle position uh, <laughs> because the new york jets uh on top of losing makai Bechton have lost uh george sanat dwayne brown george fant and now max mitchell uh who had an undeclared injury or an unidentified injury uh that is now a- another knee injury uh Going against our uh, hypothesis, by the way, last week, uh, Levi Stadium, Bermuda grass, not turf, uh, but still a lot of injuries. Uh, and again, circling back, uh, this does not include the injuries to one Trey Lance and to third-round rookie running back Tyrion Davis Price. Hey, for all we know, this is a this is a
1: good thing. For all we know, if these injuries happened on turf instead of Bermuda grass, they could have been
0: straight up tears instead of sprains. So. Who knows? Maybe we are, uh, you know, it's it's the lesser of two evils in this case. More Lyman news back to Dallas. Long snapper news, actually. Uh, Jake McQuaid tours tricep. Will miss the first game of his career dating back to 2011. It is the first in-season change at long snapper since 2005. Jackson this is it's becoming slightly a slightly more prevalent issue than I ever would have thought uh, with with the Bengals week 1 swap up at uh, at long snapper causing some significant injuries how concerned would we be about you know switching these guys over because long snapping is a different talent than shotgun snapping these are specialists at the position Uh, And it's gotten down to such a science that rotation alone should get you the laces where they need to be on a field goal kick. Where are we at? Who are they trying out? What's going on here? Because you know, know, maybe maybe this is the uh, maybe this is the thing that can derail the Cowboys from Cooper Cup's unbeaten record as a starter.
1: Yeah, I (laughs) listen uh, there's there's injuries that we don't necessarily think too deeply about but that can definitely come into impact we saw that Bengals game kale like that entire unit moves as one and the long snapper is just as important a part of it as the other two pieces you know like guys guys certainly train a very specific focus for this position so it is something where if you have someone who's not currently on a team but has been you know, practicing just as hard as anyone else, there's every chance that they could be able to step in. But, hey, this is another question mark. And it, it is still early in the season, but anytime you're dealing with a question mark at any position on the field, it kind of shakes your confidence in the whole team. So, hopefully their kicking unit doesn't take a step back here. Torn triceps sounds particularly painful. I, I wish McQuaid the best of luck in his recovery, but this is definitely – it's a loss, even if it's somebody that if it's someone whose name you didn't necessarily know heading into this weekend, he's a starter
0: on your football team. Headed into this injury, Dallas was currently ranked six in overall special teams DVOA, but was third in field goal and extra point DVOA. Might take a little bit of a slip there if things don't transition smoothly in some positive injury news. Commanders rookie running back Brian Robinson is close to returning. This is after Robinson suffered multiple gunshot wounds in an attempted carjacking on August 28th, barely over a month ago. There, Commanders officially announced Robinson uh, was evaluated over the weekend, according to Ron Rivera. Uh, He was just, it was just an effort to determine whether he was physically able to come back to play in ball. Now, according to the commanders, his debut could be as early as this Sunday against Tennessee, October 9th. I mean what a mirac- like a miraculous comeback, the fact that none of those bullet wounds hit any major lim- uh, any major ligaments, any major tendons, any major extremities. Pretty impressive comeback! How excited are you to see this guy play again? Yeah, I mean, you—you that you mention you any major arteries. You
1: know, this is this is a life that was spared in in the first place, and then the fact that he's back five six weeks later is a borderline miracle. I'm very excited, Kel, because Washington cannot run the ball. I don't I don't know if you've watched any of their games this year. I don't blame you if you haven't, because it's not a pretty sight. Uh, they are 27th in rush DVOA. They're the 28th offense overall in terms of DVOA. And Antonio Gibson, who a couple of years ago was people's, you know, first round end of first round option for uh, fantasy running back is 37th in DYAR at negative 42 yards above replacement. That's tough. That's not what you want to see. If, if it's somebody that you drafted, I think in the second or third round in 2020 uh, and Brian Robinson, by all reports looked great in training camp before that very unfortunate injury occurred. So, you know, if it's, if it's one more piece that's going to contribute to more good quality offensive football in the league, that's great. The number one takeaway is so glad that he's back healthy and able to get back to
0: what I'm sure he loves doing the most. I do want to note that the commanders, uh, while they will be getting Robinson back, uh, just, just a decimate offensive line. Uh, this is only since October 1st. Uh, will Schweitzer put on injury reserves with a concussion. Uh, Tyler Larson out with an Achilles injury placed on the pup. Trey Turner questionable as of Monday uh, needs time to strengthen his leg with a lingering quad injury. Chase Roulier, a center, underwent surgery on his knee placed on injured reserve. And offensive tackle Sam Cosme underwent surgery on his injured thumb is questionable for Sunday. That's five guys, Jackson. They are a revolving door of the offensive line right now. Uh, maybe Robinson will be able to provide a spark, but that is that's – that's a lot to overcome.
1: It really is, Kale. Yeah. Um... Every team is already decimated, it seems, and there's not much that any of us can do about it. But maybe let's flip it in a positive direction. Maybe this means all these teams are going to get healthy in time for the playoff stretch, and we're going to have the happiest ending to a football season we've ever seen because the start has been so bleak. Crossing
0: my fingers for that one. A little bit of lighter news. We got some wide receiver troll jobs in the... uh... Put out into the world. Uh, Let's do a quick little comparison here. Debo Samuel, first off, obviously Monday night, took back a massive catch to the house against Jalen Ramsey. Left him in the dust. Uh, Put up an Instagram of him basically just burning him with the caption, shut the lights off, boogeyman. Pretty good one there. However, might be topped by Minnesota's Justin Jefferson going up against Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, when you invoke Allen Iverson, as Justin Jefferson did in this one, saying, ain't no question, I'm the answer, breaking the tackle on Lattimore, stepping over him after the play, and then at the last frame of the Instagram post, posting that infamous AI step over of Ty Lue. Jackson, who do you think did it better? All deference to Debo
1: Samuel. And I love that he not only said Boogeyman, but he wrote it in all caps and misspelled it. If there is a correct spelling of Boogeyman, I promise you it has an E in it. I do have to say Justin Jefferson because there are only certain people, Kale, that I think earn the right to invoke AI And I think Jefferson's earned it. And I think that he he did it effectively. I think he, he picked on someone with enough stature to sort of warrant the AI reference. And I also think that the caption was enough of an Iverson reference, but also just, you know, kind of vague enough that it plays among all audiences really wins the day for me. And I ask you, is there any other position in the NFL where we'll be having this comparison week in and week out? We could probably make this a weekly segment, you know, craziest wide receiver social media posts, and we'd have enough material to
0: fill the whole hour. Listen, it wouldn't be bad. Honestly, uh, my, my answer goes to uh, Jefferson. If only, because I tried to do some research on what the boogeyman reference was by (laughs) and the only thing that turned up was just shirts. uh, That said, when the boogeyman turns his lights out at night, he looks for just uh, looks for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, And that was the only thing I saw. It was just the same t-shirt over and over again. Did want to point this out though, to add to my case for Jefferson. Uh, This is Nick also the NFL who writes for Vikings, uh, Vikings territory and zone coverage. Minnesota uh, posted. Uh, Lattimore had only allowed three catches this season. In coverage week one, one catch allowed for six yards. Two catches allowed for seventeen yards. A week two, shut out receivers in week three, no catches allowed. And Nick Olson posts week four versus Justin Jefferson, seven catches allowed for ninety-three yards. In addition, clipped the uh, clipped the play that spawned the Jefferson photos and on the London broadcast said Lattimore was spun around like a top so if that's not if that's not insult enough Jefferson brought it the rest of the way true and kudos to the Vikings
1: for and Kevin O'Connell specifically for drawing up more this week to get Jefferson really involved in the offense because you know you see kind of that end around quick handoff to get him in the end zone I think that's all he really needed was just like feeling like he was back in the flow of the offense finding him creative ways to touch the ball you know he's gonna he's gonna create magic he's gonna be a yak machine uh and anything you can do to just make sure he's getting the ball in his hands is gonna make your offense benefit 10 times over and I think O'Connell really realized that on Sunday over the sea
0: Jackson, I lied. We have one more injury. Uh, Screwed up our itinerary a little bit. Got to go back to this one uh, before we get <laughs> into the rest of the show. Uh, Falcons plays all Patterson running back on injured reserve. Uh, it's a knee injury. Going to rule them out at least four games. Uh, also currently second in DYAR uh, and first in DVOA among running backs. Uh, this one's a blow. Uh, Don't mean to suck the wind out of the room here. Uh, Tough one to see here, just because of how fun Cordero Patterson has been in the last year or so in Atlanta. He's really good. Um, uh,
1: I'll admit, I was surprised as anyone when Cordero Patterson kind of landed in Atlanta and just just experienced this career resurgence as, you know, really a primary running back. That was not something that I saw coming, uh, hand up. But I think, you know, the Falcons have been a surprisingly fun offense so far this year. And despite the fact that they'll be without Patterson moving forward for at least the next four weeks or so, I Tyler are in-house, you know, 10 carries for 84 yards last week, half of them on one play. So there's still some big playability in that backfield. If they remember, And he also had one catch for 20 yards. So clearly, I mean, this is another guy who can make something happen downfield for you. I don't know what they're doing with the receiver room last week. I mean, when you have Kyle Pitts and Drake London combining for three catches and 42 yards, something is definitely wrong there. Maybe this will force them to get their premier targets more involved. I don't know for sure. But I think it's fair to say that Atlanta has been more fun than expected this year. And despite the fact that we wish Patterson was there, I, I don't think that we should stop watching
0: Falcons football, as crazy as that is to say. Listen, if we can start getting 20-plus targets to Pitts and Drake London, uh, this team would be a whole lot more fun because they've been a big surprise this year. I've really enjoyed watching them. They're a blast. Getting into some retirement news. The boat, Blake Bortles, calls it a career. Uh, That's how the Jaguars sent him off instead of (laughs) goat. Boat is best of all time. Uh, Here are some stats of your field yates, by the way. Uh, These are some fun ones. Bortles finished first, uh, uh, tied for first, by the way, uh, in the NFL and best playoff win percentage at home with 1,000. And fourth most rushing yards per attempt in NFL history with 6.2. Minimum 250 carries. In that big 2017 run, Bortles finished 15th in DYAR and 16th in DVOA among quarterbacks. However, pretty elite dual threat. Finished top five three different times in his career among quarterbacks in rushing DYAR. Eighth in rushing DYAR that 2017 year. Any fun Bortles memories? Because, man, am I drawn to that Steelers game in the divisional round. What a run he went on. It
1: is. It is that Steelers game. He... He showed something that I don't think that people thought he had in the tank in that game, especially following that borderline unwatchable Bills game the week before, where we were all so excited that both of these historically struggling teams had made the playoffs, and they treated us to the worst playoff football game any of us have ever seen in our entire lives. Maybe barring that Raiders-Texans game where we had Connor Cook and Brock Osweiler. That was another fun one. I think Blake Bortles the running numbers are always going to be a little bit surprising when you look back at the body of work. It it does need to be said that the passing numbers were at their very best mediocre. Uh, and for a third overall pick in the draft, you know, it's, it's a lesson that not every high quarterback draft pick is going to pan out exactly like you think it is, but that doesn't mean that they weren't good football players at their peak guys that could win you a playoff game here and there, you know, Heading into last year, Matthew Stafford had never won a playoff game before. so That feat shouldn't be taken too lightly. And, you know, Blake Bortles seems to be a guy that likes his relaxation, and he's got much more time to do it now. Also, the fact that he retired nine months ago and just hadn't told anybody, but mentally he was gone. He just waited until now to say uh, this is this is official. But he checked out at
0: the end of last season, according to himself. I mean, at age 30, he could be a guy who waits around a, uh, a few extra years, takes a backup job, holds a clipboard, helps guys out. Instead, according to Bill Shea, the athletic walks home with $47.6 million in pre-tax NFL earnings for five teams over eight seasons. If I got that kind of bag, I'd walk away too. There you go. One more retirement for you. Cole Beasley minutes before the show announced his retirement, you remember, signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to help out some of their injury woes uh, at receiver. Uh, according to Mike Garofalo, uh, quote, he is ready to be with his family after playing 11 seasons and it's time to be a full-time dad and husband. Decent, decent career for a uh, pretty solid slot receiver. Had some pretty peak years Finished fifth in DYAR in 2016 with the Cowboys. Finished 12th in DYAR in 2020 with the Bills. Just a pretty solid piece of the early Josh Allen Bills and had a pretty darn good run with the Cowboys and Roma for a uh, for a good stretch. Yeah, Cole Beasley,
1: he uh... – he definitely got the most mileage out of his talent. I think that's what we're going to think back on as a guy who, you know, wasn't highly regarded coming out of college. Wasn't, you know, he, he had to work for everything he got and he definitely put in that work, um, you know, certainly made headlines for, you know, controversial reasons the last couple of years of his career. But I think when you step back and look at the football career, he's what a lot of, you know, less physically gifted, uh, you know, high school and college players would look at and say they want their career to be. Uh, he was he was a workhorse. And that's definitely something worth admiring.
0: And he opened the door for Isaiah McKenzie and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I, it's bad that my biggest association with Cole Beasley is him opening the door for McKenzie to run rampant over the Patriots defense in that second matchup last year and basically got him McKenzie's starting slot job with the Bills this year. So, he did that. If that's if that's any consolation, uh, I don't know if that should be your legacy, Cole. But you know, hats off to you for that. Uniform news before we get into our Thursday night roundup and close out the show. Speaking of the New England Patriots, going in the red and white throwbacks. Jackson, you're sporting the hat. That Pat Patriot logo, is something special. At least a nice little hype video alongside it. Pretty good. I'm pumped. The Old, The old school uniforms, they opened it up nicely with the Bengals in the all-whites on Thursday night. Wish there were better circumstances around that opening debut for them. But, hey, they still looked pretty on the field. Getting another good set in here today. And I refuse to also, before we get into the Pats, the Jaguars in a timely fashion announced they're bringing back the uh, basically the Bortles-era unis. Uh, for Sunday's game and brief uniform news. And I will not acknowledge them because they're ugly. Uh, <laughs> the, Black Tate, the mustard scale, the mustard's coming back. They haven't brought back the helmets. They're bringing back the rest of it. Although I will say in the promo images, they shine the light over the top, like this golden light. So it looks like they've just kind of artificially put the, uh, gold gradient in there but they're still wearing the all black helmets but let's talk about nice uniforms good looking uniforms Jackson I, these I mean, are gorgeous they really are um they were when I would play with
1: the Patriots on Madden my entire life I would just make those my primary you know that was from from like 2009 to 13 when I was a Madden guy that was all I would do uh, was was play every single game that I could. Uh, and the Patriots AFL style throwbacks including the Roads which I hope they bring back at some point as well uh, but these are beautiful I wore the hat for a reason and if you couldn't tell folks we are uniform guys through and through this is one of our favorite parts about NFL Sunday we could spend hours talking about it uh, and it's just because when you're going to stare at a screen for seven hours you want to see pretty color contrasts flash by you know it's it's, it's a very visual day and it's something that you want to have as much appeal
0: as possible. So kudos to the Patriots for bringing it to us. Yeah. When you're staring at a screen for seven, 10 hours of Sunday and you got the quad box of NFL Sunday ticket and your eyes kind of glaze over. If it's just a slew of colors on your screen, at least it's aesthetically pleasing as you begin to turn your brain off. Uh, the NFL's are... mind was in the right place with color rush. Maybe they yeah, it, were listen, lost. <laughs> it's a great idea in theory. <laughs> Execution poor, uh, especially that Jets-Bills game that uh, was a uh, was problematic for uh, the colorblind community. Uh, but I, I like where their head's at. Let's hope they don't go the way of the NBA City uniforms and don't <laughs> oversaturate the market. But if we're getting more uniforms like the Sigmund and Freud or uh, Sigmund Roy, uh, Siegfried and Roy, Sieg, that's it, Siegfried and Roy, White Tiger uniforms, we're getting the Red Pad Patriots back, even the old-school Giants unis, I I could get behind it.
1: Absolutely, and there's much more to come this season. The The NFL's repeal of the one-shell rule has opened the door for – Many a throwback and many a, an interesting new alternate uniform. Not all of which are going to be great, as we'll see throughout the season. But certainly that will provide us a lot of variety.
0: Yeah, let's not open the floodgates on that. Let's just let's let's control the water flow in there of new uniforms. Bring up the Thursday night news roundup to close out the show. Let's start in Denver. Javante Williams and D. Gregory both to the IR. Javante Williams done for the year with a torn ACL. Melvin Gordon got the vote of confidence from the OC. Uh, said Melvin Gordon will carry the brunt of the load. Specific quote exactly is he's going to carry the load. Obviously we'll have a mix of boon. And after that, we've got to figure out who can spell and who feels best in that position. But we trust Melvin going forward here. Melvin's got four fumbles on the season. They brought in a contingency plan, Latavius Murray previously was involved in the revolving door of running backs in Baltimore last year, most recently played for the Saints in the London game. It's a big, it's a big loss. This Jackson, where are you at with this? Because it felt like the Broncos rushing attack was probably one of the only good things going for Denver, really outside of some goal line fumbles, which really tanked them early. Uh, Williams was a decently strong back for them, and now they've got to scramble in an offense that is really yet to find its way forward.
1: I'm a big, big Javante Williams guy, man. I mean, even just this year, he was 10th in DYAR. You know, hadn't hadn't necessarily been given the chance to, like, really – Cement his status as a premier back. He was sixth in effective yards. So on a, you know, a yards per attempt basis, he was maybe even better than kind of what the overall uh, numbers would show. And this is, you know, there's, there's not a lot to be excited about with this Broncos offense in the Russell Wilson era so far. The receivers who we I think had high expectations for just haven't really lived up to them yet. Haven't necessarily been on the same page as Russ and Javante. At times was really carrying the load, and it hurts to see him go down. I uh, I don't think Latavius Murray is you know going to be the guy who can sort of provide that extra dimension to your offense. Sure, he's going to be able to you know be situationally fine for you, but this is really a call for. Russell Wilson to kind of earn that bread and show that he can still, you know, really carry the freight and lead an offense to success um, with a first year head coach as well. So there's a lot of outcomes on the table.
0: Wilson signed a massive contract in the off season before even stepping on the field, big five-year deal for him. It's time to go out and show where, uh, you know, I guess put your mouth where your money is like, cause the money came first without even seeing him play. So, guess you got to switch that, turn a phrase up a little bit. Hopping over to Indianapolis. Broke during the show, uh, just minutes after we went live. Colts officially rule out Jonathan Taylor in this one. Taylor twisted his ankle badly on Sunday. It was a DNP Tuesday. I was walking around in a boot. Taylor did say, I definitely do plan to play. But if you can't go, you can't go. That's why you have to get as much treatment as you can. Tough, tough loss for this Colts team. want to also add that Shaquille Leonard currently also ruled out for Thursday with a concussion and a broken nose. Frank Wright called him the heart and soul of who we are. Uh, Leonard had just uh, returned from an off-season back surgery uh, that he was recouping from. Uh, Only played 16 snaps before the injury happened. Colts on both sides of the ball in rough shape, Jackson.
1: Really are. And those are those are the two guys that make them tick on each side of the ball. So being without both of them for a game that I think we would say is creeping into that must win kind of territory for them. Uh, You know, this division will seemingly be up for grabs for a while, but you certainly don't want to fall, uh, you know, too many games below 500. Jonathan Taylor is just, you know, the guy that you count on whenever Matt Ryan's struggling to just, you know, keep the ground game moving. Um, it's tough. It's it's not the kind of loss you want to see. And it's another case where the Thursday game really comes back to hurt a team because I think there's a solid chance that he would have been able to go uh, if this game were on Sunday. So, we love the, the breaking news moment on the FO News Show. Uh, shout out to useful title in our Twitch chat for telling us that Jonathan Taylor is out. We love the interaction on Twitch, but it definitely hurts. You know, there's there's a lot of injury news this week, as there has been every week, and uh, this is just another case where a team is, is going to be put in a rough spot.
0: I'll oh, Twitch, a speedy recovery to Jonathan Taylor, who has not gotten off to the hottest start uh this season his minus five point eight DVOA currently ranks uh god I just have this this is bad uh, uh oh there it is uh 25th among starting running backs with a minimum 32 rushes it would also if the season ended today be his lowest DVOA of his career Colts offense Colts offensive on just hasn't looked the way I thought it would even Quentin Nelson uh I had originally described in a given Sunday piece Quentin, it, that the offensive line was Quentin Nelson and a bunch of guys. And even Quentin Nelson hasn't played up to Quentin Nelson levels. Uh, you know, probably even as a guard, one of the best, if not the best offensive linemen in football up until this year. But there has been some uh, some tough sledding for these Colts offensive linemen and going with Naheem Hines behind uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know. Bit of a downgrade, but let's let's get Taylor's speedy recovery back because the Colts' offense needs probably all the help they can get at this point. For real,
1: I mean, not to editorialize too much on the NFL news show, but this Colts' offense has been possibly the worst to watch in the entire league as the year has gone on.
0: Absolutely, Jackson, you don't need to editorialize. They are last in offensive DVOA, <laughs> last in rushing DVOA. I don't know what to think.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to think. We have our uh, FO staff picks article that comes out every week. Definitely recommend to everyone reading that this week. It'll come out tomorrow. But last week I picked Michael Pittman Jr. as my pick to click among, you know, kind of fancy daily fantasy guys. Uh, He had three catches for 31 yards. It's just not fun. Um, Their offense needs a lot of help at every level and in any way they can get it. Well, on that
0: fun note that'll do it for us <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it for us at the FO News Show this week catch us back same time next week Wednesdays at 1pm you can also catch our news articles over in their own little section on the right side of the website uh, that's where we source a lot of these stories from just wanted to give that one a quick plug because I don't think I have on the show yet but for Jackson I'm Kale Thanks so much for watching, guys. We'll see you next week.